What if Sean Connery played Sebastian? The seaweed is always greener in somebody else's lake. You dream about going up there, but that, that's a big mistake. Hello, poor unfortunate souls. It's so sad, but true. <laughs> my name is Michael, and my pronouns are he and him. My name is Shane, and my pronouns are he, him, and she, her. And welcome to The, the Elephant, Elephant in, in the, the Closet, closet Podcast. podcast. <laughs> And this is episode 12. Thanks for joining us. In this series, we're talking about our journey together with uh, me as a post-evangelical pastor. And me as the queer nephew. And how your coming out has changed our lives. And how- Wait, it came out? Well, if you haven't listened to anything, I just ruined it all for you. Oh, oh so I don't have to tell you I'm gay. You didn't know that, right? Well, now they know. You know, in this podcast, we have three goals. Do you know what they are, Shane? Learning to proudly love who we are. Learning to love others inside and out the way they deserve to be loved. And learning how to love from the one who created love in the first place. That's Papa. Or I say Papa. God. Today's podcast is sponsored by alcohol. We decided to have, actually, my wife came home from whatever she was doing, and she was like, hey, I want a drink. And we're like, okay, we'll make something. So we just made a bunch of things and let everybody pick. So... Yeah, should be well, fun today. Should be an be. interesting ride. <laughs> it does make me feel like a villain, though. Yeah? Oh, yeah, because you're sipping a blackberry basil martini. Yes. It's really good. <laughs> and I got a... <laughs> what is this? A ginger martini? Also good. A little heartburny. I think maybe that's what happens when you're in your mid-30s. Everything just gives you heartburn. Yeah. You don't know yet. I do. Because you're not in your mid-30s. Hey, I'm in my gay mid-30s, which means I'm 50. (laughs) I don't even know what that means. You Um, straights don't even get it. It's fine. So if you're listening today and you have kids, just know uh, we are not going to be inappropriate. Uh, Though we always say, hey, listen to these first before you listen to them with your kids and then decide what you would like them to hear and experience. If you're just joining us, uh, last week we started talking about... um, the story of the Little Mermaid and why it was inspirational to you and what you what you saw as inspirational. Mm-hmm. And if you missed that, this kind of builds off of that, though you can still listen to this one today. But he went through some of the characters and some of the plot lines, almost almost like scene by scene, and just some of the, the huge... Michael um, had to literally stop me because he's like, we can't do scene by scene. I, I know. Like, we, did. I we had a couple like, of moments where I had to pause it. It's like, oh, no. And I was like, Shane, Shane, we, we can't. We'll probably get sued. I don't know. Um, but oh boy. <laughs> if you are just joining us recently on the podcast, you might want to go back to the first couple of episodes, especially episode one and two, uh, to hear more about uh, The Little Mermaid and why we're even talking about The Little Mermaid, because it was a really influential story in your life. So today we're drawing some comparisons on two major characters that we held off from last time that we really want to focus on today. Mm-hmm. And they are who? Who are we talking about today, Shane? Well, I know specifically more of who I'm going to be talking more about is King Triton and Ursula. Yeah, those are the two, Triton and Ursula. 
And by the way, we did something last time where we didn't really talk beforehand about what we wanted to share. That way we could be a little bit surprised yes. by each other's thoughts. And we did that. It's killing me. I know we did that with this time too. Which if you heard the last one, you you caught that, that I had some thoughts that Shane really wanted me to tell him and I wouldn't tell him. And it's today fine. we also watched The Little Mermaid before this, just so we could kind of refresh our minds on, um, on it. So... This isn't like a theology class or anything, but we just, we saw some comparisons. It's not. Um, or, and some crap, some what? Some contrasting things between the two characters. Yes. So it could be a little of a theology class. Oh, I, yes. All right. So talking about the Little Mermaid, talking about Triton, talking about Ursula. What do you see in those characters, Shane? Oh, no, I talked first last time. No, I want to know what you saw in those two characters. I've been waiting. You've been waiting to hear what I think about yes. them? Okay. So what struck me with those characters is, I mean, first of all, we think the dad's the villain in the story. If you don't That's... know Ursula's coming, right? If well, you don't know she's there, like, un until you until she fully arrives on the scene... The dad has not maybe not villain as much as antagonist, right? So maybe not maybe not a totally negative person, but but he's the opposition to Ariel, to the things that Ariel wants. Yeah. Pre Ursula. No, even no, I agree with you. I do agree with you, but there's so much in depth with with Triton that um Yes. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not. Oh, I, I know. I'm just going I'm off just like saying, first like, experience. Like I remember as a kid thinking, oh, what a punk. Why doesn't he help his daughter out? And so he's the like a fake antagonist. Yes. In this story. Until you meet Ursula. Okay, I know you really want me to talk about Ursula, but I'll get to that. Son of a <laughs> Well, it's fine. Okay, hang on. So, so we do we do meet Ursula, right? So we meet Ursula, and then we find out, oh, you know, this is a whole different kind of villain. And I actually think a couple of things about those two. I think first and foremost, there are similarities to them. There are there are some similarities, at least in how they're portrayed. Now, don't get me wrong; I think they're completely different from each other, mm -hmm. and that gets shown. But they both serve as a kind of antagonist to Ariel, who knows she belongs somewhere else. She he, she knows she belongs in a different world. She she was meant for something else, and both of them create hurdles. Um, but it's interesting the hurdles that they create. That's where they they start to di to diverge. And you know what is also fascinating, Triton puts out the hurdles to stop her. And Ursula paves a way for her. Yes. What seems to be a way, right? Mm -hmm. One of the things I, we noted about Ursula the other day, Ursula is, I think, irredeemable as the story is told. I agree. She's evil. She really is evil. I think of all of the Disney villains I've seen, I would say her and maybe Scar. in Scar. Those two, like thinking through all of them, like there's a... I think Disney usually does a great job of, you know, flipping the Mother script. Mother Gothel would be another really close. I'd have to watch that again because I don't remember. Yeah. But but just through the, especially the animated, but before the computer animated ones, right? The the animated Disney stories, they do a great job of flipping the script or at least 
adding a lot of nuance to villains. But Scar and Ursula, especially Ursula, that's just pure evil. And there's one, and you're waiting for this. I am. This is the difference that I find. And this is what I think makes a villain a villain, like an actual villain. The difference is manipulation. Ursula never intended for Ariel to become human. No. The goal was always for Ursula to gain power. I don't know if you noticed this today. She was transformed into a human under the water. She oh, wasn't going to help her to up there. The contract was already signed. Ursula didn't really need her mm-hmm. for that either. She could have lied about where she was because yeah. she has a contract. Yeah. Like, it's just kind of interesting to like, she already had what she wanted. That's that contract is what she wanted. So it's like, it's up to yeah. Ariel to get up to the surface. I don't need to help her to, to get and, up to the shore. And I also think here's the other thing. Ursula wanted Ariel to fail. Oh, <laughs> Ursula, yes. Ursula, she could have, she could have been sweet. She could have not been sweet. She could have been indifferent regardless of how she presented herself. What you see throughout the movie is that Ursula wanted her to fail. And that whole little garden scene of all those poor, unfortunate souls. Oh, right? yes. She took glee in the fact that there was torture for them. That was her little garden. She took glee in their torture. And her goal was power. And the thing that she used was legality. The law. Mm-hmm. Huh. Ha, ah, that gave me a shot. Uh, how are you feeling now? How are you feeling? Ha, ah, ah, ah. Some things are kind of hitting the, a little bit more. The law itself, the legality itself, the contract itself, the goal was still torture. The goal was still pain. The goal was still hurt for her. That was going to be the end. And she took joy. And, and that's what she knew was going to happen. But she liked and to she, take and then joy Ursula thinking would that get, you're going to win. Right. And Ursula would get ultimately what she wanted, which was power and control. But then I was like, well, then you got this Triton character. Okay. So he is the ruler of all seven seas, correct? So he already has this rule that's established to not go up to the surface. Mm-hmm. He is the king, and he has made this a law. Mm-hmm. We don't know what the punishment is for that law. That might be like, I mean, we could be as gruesome as like death or yeah. imprisonment or whatever. But his daughter, and like you could definitely tell, he loves his daughter so mm-hmm. much because there's a line in there where he's um, he's telling Sebastian. It's at the very beginning when the concert's about ready to start and. It's like, I'm really looking forward to this performance. And and Sebastian says, oh, yes, um, uh, they're all doing so well. And he goes, especially my little Ariel. Like, it's something so, it, it's small, but it's just enough to where it's just like, he's so fond of her. Mm-hmm. Like, that's still his little girl. And so that that is an important attribute to to know, like, still his little girl. And he's petrified because... She's breaking the most sacred law that he yeah. has, and he can't let anybody else know that he's being lenient with her. Right. Which is really important. So it's just like. And there's also a hint of like an idea of a natural law. He's a human. You're a mermaid. 
yes right this yes ah oh. so the and and then at the end what does he do it's interesting the climax is the sacrifice of triton oh my gosh taking that part- taking the payment of the of a law not so it's that not she can come just- back and be a mermaid but just so she can live now think about that even more he just put the entire kingdom in jeopardy as well all the ocean everything for his daughter he didn't know that they no. were going to win he didn't know no he was just was like, gonna he was just I like okay she's got it if it's going to be under the rule of tyranny at least she'll be alive for it oh my gosh like that that whole scene there's so much in depth with that but like the mm. love that he has for his daughter he would sacrifice everything his whole entire being his throne and he would give it to a tyrant just to save his daughter he would give up his law he would give up his actual rules and ruling because the daughter was more important than any law that was in place than any rule that had been made even any quote natural law I don't know. Like, I just... I love Trayton. It's beautiful. Like, I see him in a whole new light. I mean, not that I ever thought he was, like, bad. But, I mean, like, I have such an appreciation and such an anger towards this Ursula character. Because, I don't know. She's fun, isn't she? But, like, she's a great... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Obviously. She's a villain. I love her as a villain. There is... Like her in her, you know, voice acting and everything surrounding oh, yeah. it. It's a well done character. So what I think of, or who I think of, um, which I'm not going to name specific people because I think we're all more nuanced than that. I don't think there's any like one group of people, one group of people who fits one character or one category more than another. But it does make me think I have come across people who like thinking through um, the LGBTQ discussion. Especially yeah. with inclusion within the church or exclusion within the church, depending on who you are and what church you go to. Um, I have come across so many people who in their talking about punishment and hell and torture and torment, almost like a certain kind of glee for them. And how they talk about it, like like yeah. the, the little garden of torture that's in their backyard. You know, and, it gets and I, so excited. They and I don't think all now. I, I and I have to say that like not everyone is like that, and some people see it with sadness. They're like, "Well, that's why they, you know, that's why they want to tell you don't be you because they're sad because they've been pitched an idea, and they've been told that this is part of the belief that you have to hold to the idea that gay people go to hell." Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So there are people who don't like that they have that belief, but they've also been told that's just a part of the package. Um, I wrote down something on here with Ursula. She's so good at alluring people that she has the pro, like she is the problem solver that she can do all these things for you. And she can, but you can't pay her, or you might not be able to afford her, or. What she's already had you sign for. And it's like, oh, well, I guess you're just going to turn into my garden. You're going to be tortured. Um, And then here comes Ariel. I wrote this down on here. It's a split second. But it's when Ursula does the Latin where she's Mm -hmm. calling out to the sea to bring, like, to get Ariel's voice. 
and the hand goes inside and pulls the voice and then it opens up and like holds the voice out in front of Ariel to show her what she has what has been taken from her mm-hmm. and like and Ursula licks her lips and so like she literally licks her teeth in glee because she's just like oh my gosh this is so good and like your voice is something so important and like metaphorically for me what I see when I see like my voice being stolen is like I have no say oh yeah you go be you you go do you you just can't speak here. You can't teach here. You can't be part of this. Sorry, but you can go be you. You just don't have a voice anymore. And you can't see. You can't see your father or sisters again. Mm-hmm. Oh, but you'll have your man. Mm-hmm. Which is the way that it's viewed. Yes. Like that you're just in it. Yeah, or that that Ariel's just in it for the man, which isn't what Ariel is. No, and like that's what we were talking about. Like when she was. Um, I think this is also really cool. So her friends, like Scuttle and Sebastian and and Flounder, they're all like, it's that part where um, Ariel and Eric are exploring the town, mm-hmm. and she's getting she's getting to see everything, and they're all like, "Did he kiss her yet? No, not yet." And like you see this, Ariel, that is not on anything with Ariel. Like, no. she's not even thinking she of a kiss She doesn't push to kiss him. She, she is doesn't... so excited to see everything yeah. around her. She is... Driving the horses off the cliff yes. almost while steering. <laughs> yes. like She's excited to be part human. of your world, world right? Yeah. She is finally... It's not about Eric. Yeah. It's about It's about her. being her. And, like, they're concerned oh, wow. about the contract... But Ariel is like, she's so, not that she's clueless about it, but she's just, if this is the only three days that she has, this is the only three days that she has. Like, I mean, obviously the third day comes up and it's sad and she does love, love the prince or like yeah, the prince. Yeah, it's still but a part of it. But that's not, like, she's human. Yeah. And she's experiencing that. And she's experiencing it with somebody who is also excited to to see her. And we give a lot of flack about Prince Eric, but I've got a lot more to say about Prince Eric too on that too, which I've seen growth in that where that ideal person who like they have to be this way are like, well, this is what I've been told. I remember seeing this is what mm-hmm. this is what's been she presented. She had a voice, she's saying to me, Oh, this one doesn't have a voice. And then Grimsby says, one but there should be there's one that is here in flesh flesh uh, and bone. Right, there you go. And that's when Eric makes that decision. I like Ariel. And he goes to go see Ariel. Yeah. And then Vanessa comes into the picture. Yeah. That's Ursula in human disguise. Um, yeah. Did you know that was also played by Jody Benson? <laughs> took- when I was a kid. I was I, this year's old. When I was a kid, it was embarrassing because I was like, who voiced Vanessa? Because they sound just like Ariel, but evil. Oh, we love you, Shane. <laughs> we love little 10-year-old Shane. How did they find one, someone that sounds just like Ariel? Uh... Fart off. <laughs> I Even in that, I mean, we could go down that rabbit trail of Ursula completely misjudges or mostly misjudges what Ariel is looking for. 
which I've seen that too, where people just are, yes, you know, assuming way too much about the LGBTQ community when really you just want the same rights as everybody else to be you, to be. Well, she's she views herself in such a highness. Who? Ursula like Ursula. Is? Yeah. Like she is. And she knows what everybody She thinks. knows. And so, which is why Sebastian isn't a threat. He's a bottom feeder. Right. And Flounder um, is a guppy. Mm-hmm. He's not a threat either. Mm-hmm. And Scuttle, bless his heart. <laughs> he's not. He's special. Fun. He's fun. <laughs> he's fun. So none of them are a threat. And, but they are the biggest threat because they stand behind Ariel. Right. When all hope seems lost. Yeah. Still being that voice and standing behind somebody yeah. can literally defeat the giantess <laughs> from the water. Right. I also caught some, like, thinking Bible stories, like some older brother vibes from Ursula. Uh, the older brother from uh, the good father or the prodigal son story. Yeah. Like, and I mean, not strong ones, but there's some thin ones, like... Because she even talks about them celebrating. You remember? Oh, she mentions their celebration and complains about I'll their give celebration. Them to something to celebrate soon enough. Right. Flatsome! Jetsome! There is just this desire for everyone who isn't her or doesn't see things the way she does. She wants them to fail. And she enjoys the failure part. Um, and she'll use the law to get it. Like, that's these are just some notes that I put out. Um, I also noticed this little detail when Ariel was flo- was floating or swimming through the garden. Remember how one of them reached tried to reach up and her? grab her? Yeah. I was like, are they trying to entrap her or did they want out? Were they trying to get out? And so they attached themselves to her to try to get out of the garden. So I think you are right. I think that that's how it's meant to be portrayed. But it also was a little bit of a nod at the original book because there was this garden that the sea witch had um and they would (laughs) disturbing but as little mermaid was swimming in the book not the movie as she's swimming along she sees the bones of another little mermaid who is trapped by the the sea garden that they would pull them down and never let them go. Oh, bizarre. So, <laughs> okay. It was oh, kind so of that's like, from the original. I didn't so, know that. But, like, if you think um, about it, like, they're constantly, you can see the faces in them and they're all, like, screaming in agony. And they're like, but you're right. I I need, let me out. Let me out. Like, mm-hmm. I definitely yeah. see that. Like, yeah. please help me. Yeah. And you can't. And, and, and so this is why I think Ursula is just pure evil. Because every character, except maybe Flotsam and Jetsam, is the only like remorse you get is with them. But no, like, even then, like my poor little poopsies. Well, um, but yeah. but the but every single character she came into contact with, past, present, or even future, was all the goal was for her to get more power. Like I even think I I had this like I know this is not in the movie. But I just had this brief moment as they were heading up to the wedding between Ursula slash Vanessa and um, and Eric. I thought, okay, let's say that she won and Ariel dies, right? And, or becomes part of the garden. And what, is Ursula going to live out her days as Vanessa? Somebody wrote a book. No. And it's fantastic. What if Ursula won? And it is great. Oh, it's exactly that's- that. 
That's and funny. And she's living in luxury in the palace. Well, I don't even think she would do that. Oh, I no. think, like, I but think she would have chaos him, on like, land. And like, oh, 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 interesting. She's starting world wars. Like oh, it is okay. Like so, she's constantly like bringing she's in on land and on sea. Well, that would oh, be accurate. It's a really fun book, but that's like, yeah, yeah. So no, that's just I just thought about that. I was like, wow, like she wouldn't have stayed to make a heavily, I mean, happily ever after with Eric. She would have oh, ruled no. the sea. Like so, even him, oh no, like, she would have ruled wherever she could. Right, like right, but I think being on land, being in control of both, was like her goal. Like, mm-hmm. It. I think it's rare that we find a. An antagonist and a protagonist that are our exact opposites. Mm-hmm. I think Ursula and Ariel are exact opposites. Nothing she did was manipulation. Ariel? Yeah, look yeah, through it. Like, no, nothing. There was, there was nothing that she did that was manipulation. I mean, she hid. The, she had the grotto. She had mm-hmm. the stuff in there. But but seriously, like nothing she did was manipulation. Especially, specifically, I'm talking like Eric. She didn't manipulate him at all. She couldn't no. have. She didn't have a voice to. And she didn't do hand signals. She didn't try to write things down. I mean, like, not that she... I mean, she could have done other things, but... but yeah, that's a but, really... So she was very great. pure in her approach. Yes. And everything Ursula did was geared towards manipulation, one way or another, mm-hmm. to make sure she had power and stayed in power. You're right. Ariel mm-hmm. was pure. She was just enjoying who she was finally mm-hmm. and enjoying herself in the company of, of Prince Eric. And even if she had no voice forever, she would yeah. have enjoyed just that. Well, that makes me even think, okay, so Ariel didn't have her voice. It was stolen. But it wasn't just stolen. It was absorbed by somebody else. So Ursula mm-hmm. wanted Ariel's voice for her own use. To bring more power even to herself. To solidify her ability to dictate what goes on in the ocean. So the use and misuse of the voice and story of Ariel was what Ursula was going to use to get and maintain power over the ocean. I think Triton is one of the best dads out there. Does he make mistakes? Yes. But I love the very last line of the movie, not including like the, you know, like um, the ambiance voices where they're saying part of that world. But when Ariel hugs um, Triton. And she says, I love you, daddy. That that part just got me so much. How incredible that Triton got to have it all. He did. He got to see his daughter happy and fully be who she is. And that line, I love you, daddy. Ah, Like, just like acceptance is the theme through the movie. Mm-hmm. People like to pinpoint and just be like, well, it's just another princess fawning after him and that's the whole entire I mean, story. Well, it's very blatant, which watching it again this time, I realize even the, I mean, it, the movie can be summed up in Sebastian's final statement. Yeah, which the children, children need to be free to live their own life. You always say that. (laughs) 
There's which, only one thing oh, left. Oh, just how much I'm so going to something miss her. I learned today though. Oh, so that that last line, um, when Triton says, "Well, there's just or like not the last line, but before uh, changing Ariel into a human, mm-hmm. he that was going to be nonverbal whatsoever. Well, oh, where he says. Like, well, there's just one more thing. Uh, just one more thing. Um, and he says, what's that, like, sir? And then Triton says... How much I'm going to miss her. Yes. And then he turns her into human. That was going to be silent, and they were just going to do facial expressions. Well, I'm glad they did, because that yeah, was necessary. Because that's a huge thing. Like, I've had family members. They love me, and they're, they've learned to accept me. But they've not really said it out loud, but they showed it in their actions. Yeah. And then I have other people that say it, but don't show it. You need both. Yeah. Which and is something you've asked us yeah. before. Yeah, exactly. And that was something. With like you and me and you and, and Tammy that one time we went out to eat. And you were like, hey, I need you to say this. I need to hear you say this. You back it up with your actions, but I need to hear you say it too. And it really is important because without that, there's still that doubt. Because it's never been verbalized. Do you know how many people, like, I've heard other people where it's just like, well, you know, you love, yeah, my kid knows that I love them. Do they? Mm. Do you tell them? Well, yeah, they know. Verbalization is so important. Mm -hmm. And also, you can't just be verbal and not action. Yeah, no, of course it is. And if you're uncomfortable telling someone you love them, you might want to ask yourself why. It's okay. What is it that makes... Really, because if you're uncomfortable, then there's probably a, something to work past in your own life. Yeah. I have some friends that I, I tell them all the time that I love them. Um, I have some friends that I don't because I also know like it's a little weird for them. And they're like, yeah, yeah, they don't know how. But when I know that a friend's okay with me saying it, I say it mm-hmm. all the time. Or when a friend says it, like, oh, there's just nothing, nothing quite like it. We know people love us, but when they say it as well, yeah. There's just something about that. <laughs> I have said that to a telemarketer on the phone before by accident. <laughs> you told like, a telemarketer? I was just like, all <laughs> right, <laughs> bye, love you. And they're like, love you too. Oh, <laughs> that was the funniest <laughs> thing because <laughs> they said <laughs> the same thing. You're like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I was just like, no, no, you're fine. Like, oh, oh, I do the same thing. Oh, my goodness. Another thing I wanted to point out is the eyes. Like, for everyone. Yes. No, no, no. Everyone's yeah. characterization in their eyes. Yes. Because Ariel had to speak through her yeah. eyes. Yes. They're, that they was, did such a good I mean, job with that. Their animation usually is really on par. But I'm I'd, after you told me to watch for it, it was really highlighted in my mind. Like, mm-hmm. just how much rest on everybody's eyes. But Triton's and eyes. Including Ursula's. And, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, intentions come through very strongly. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, no, Triton's eyes... It, there's those scenes like he gets angry and he yells at Ariel, and then after he's done, like the first time he he talks to Sebastian, he's like, "What was I? Was I too hard on her?" Like, cause he he's kind of <laughs> he's he's examining that he might have a problem with anger, which hmm. is healthy, right? Because is he perfect? No, he's not perfect. Um, and it's good that he's having some, he's getting advice from somebody else. Yeah. Well, that's another thing too. He was was open. He was open to it. Like I didn't realize. Great. How, I mean, that was, I mean, I would almost say that was way ahead of its time thinking of like 
the era of toxic masculinity that, especially in the church world, was at a definite high in mm-hmm. the early 90s to you know mid-2000s. Like that stretch, I'd say mid-80s to mid-2000s, toxic masculinity was hugely taught and embraced within the evangelical church. So like I, that, I never looked at it through that lens, but now that I watched it, I was like, oh my gosh, like that's really revolutionary. How many dads do you know have sat down to get advice from other people and change their mind from it? And maybe just our family was different, I mean, but that's not what your dad did. Like your dad was the opposite <laughs> of that. Like what, what he said, he didn't need no advice. He didn't need no nothing from no one. No, he every time he would <coughs> say he's sorry, there would always be a but. Beyond the, the sorry part, like just the idea that he was open to changing, open to hear from somebody else, like that's huge. Like I think that's more strong than standing your ground and being yeah. like, no, it's not. This is just how it is. My house, my rules, my. No, he was willing to listen. The which king, I found some, you know, the king, the king of the entire ocean, was still kind of like. I don't know what I'm doing. So another thing, there is like a hurt. Do you want me to see my youngest daughter snared by some fish eater's hook? Yeah. Like there's, that is. Well, there's there's fear, fear. for her well-being yeah. throughout the entire thing. And so like, that's another like, contrast between Ursula. So we have all that. And then he just, you know, he destroys her grotto. And I mean, that was a bombshell when she's like, Daddy, I love him. <laughs> and that was. Okay. <laughs> Come on, that that was also throwing a bone to parents too because teenagers sometimes think their high school crush is the end so all be all. When the parents funny. like scratch their head, they're like, "What do you have? You have you have you met this guy? Have you?" Like, have you and she literally hadn't. <laughs> no, no, I, I, I absolutely agree. It was so funny because it really was, looking at the same. Daddy, person? I love him. Well, that's good. Um, I had one more thing about Ursula. Oh, please. This is, this is like my like last. We have not. This is like my last thing. Um, <clears throat> so, what was Ursula's undoing? I know what I was going to say, but I'm curious on your thoughts because I have totally different thoughts. Well, think of it this way. How did she die? Oh, a stake through the heart or like the ship through the heart. Mm-hmm. Where did the ship come from? Her own doing. She died by her own doing. She died by her own doing. Yeah, Eric steered. It was already going in that direction. He just made sure it pointed at her. Where did the ship come from? She pulled it up from the depths. It was in the whirlwind or the whirlpool that she created. Her own power. Her own desire for power. Her own desire for, you know, destruction. Her own desire to, to... ruin everything that wasn't her she created her own situation that brought on her own undoing and again there's no like specific group of people (laughs) that that you know that i am you know that i think this fits perfectly but i see some similarities to some i guess quote culture wars that are happening right now and uh, within the church especially the idea of a culture war it's been raging forever um but really, it was the, I think it was the church that created that, quote, culture war. In a desire to control culture, it created the culture war. 
it created the moral majority or whatever, like the political stuff of the 60s and 70s that now we have what we have. We have what it's turned into now. But I just think it's interesting the storm that was created by Ursula brought up everything that was needed to end her. Yeah. Had she not done that, what would have Eric killed her with? <laughs> I mean, really, like there up until that point, like he wouldn't have been able to go against someone like her. But you're right. Her bringing it up, it was mm-hmm. her demise. Yeah. Like she did it herself. She, she was did. the one. I mean, somebody can steer it right in the right direction, but literally, <laughs> that was your downfall. The storm she created. The war she created, the culture war she created between land and sea. She created it to solidify her own power. Yeah. And that's what provided the ability, or that's what provided her downfall. That's what created yeah. her downfall. So much with that. It's crazy. <laughs> anyway, so there's that. Oh, I love that. There's that scene where Ariel, and it's that scene where Ariel's having a beautiful time up on land and she gets ready for bed and you go down to the sea again. And you see Triton pacing back and forth. And the, uh, the seahorse comes over and, you, and Triton says, any sign of her? And it's like, no, sire, we'll leave no un- coral unturned. Don't let anyone sleep in the castle until she's found. And then you just see him in his chair with his hand in his head and he goes, what have I done? Those moments, I think there's redemption from those moments. Obviously, we see that in the movie later on. Right. But if you have that, you are not Ursula. Just think about that. If you have that moment. If you have. If you have that moment of thinking, what have I done? Mm-hmm. First off, pardon <laughs> my French. Get off your ass and actually go do something mm. about it. If you if you haven't already, but if you're having those thoughts about what have I done? If you've done something, if you said something to push somebody away on either side, huh? Well, that's how I was going to end this today. Was to talk about like how do you know the difference between Triton and Ursula? How do you know the difference between? You know, the one who's trying to create a hurdle for safety and the one who really just wants power and wants to control you. Because I think there's a lot of unwitting Ursulas out there who think they're Tritons. Oh, yeah. Really, I do. Like, I mean, and, and, and sometimes I'm an unwitting Ursula. It's not like me ver- us versus them, me versus that person. Like, there's times I'm Ursula. I'm, and I think I'm Triton. I'm just going to say, like, from my past, I spent a lot of my life thinking I was more of a Triton when it came to the LGBTQ discussion when I was actually in Ursula. No, I'm... No, but no, no, hang I'm on. Gonna, hang I'm going to let you finish. I didn't ultimately land there, but I think, like, because there were years that I believed and taught, I didn't really teach, because those topics didn't come up in kids' ministry, but... Like, I held to, at least loosely, the belief that gay people were going to hell. And would Did have allowed them to want me to... Go ahead. No, no, I didn't want you to. Exactly. But, but hang on. still makes you a triton. How does that Ursula. make you a triton? 
Because the difference is Ursula doesn't give a fork about anyone other than herself. That's the difference. Ursula is purely 100% selfish and a desire for power. Did you ever have a desire for power? Did you ever want me to fail? No. Then you... Like, well, we already talked about where where I thought you were in the story last week as Sebastian, but if we're talking about these two characters, you're a Triton. For me, what I think Ursula is, is evil. If you want somebody to fail because you want them to fail, that is Ursula. If you still want them to fail because you don't want them to hurt in the end, still Triton. Does Triton need help? Yes. Does he need guidance? Yes. The difference between Ursula and Triton is Ursula, like, Triton still wants the best. He still wants, he wants that relationship, that goodness to eventually be there. He he Mm. doesn't know what to do with that. But Ursula doesn't give a crap about you. Like, she literally will kill thousands. She will hurt Thousands of people mm. and won't care how she does it. Well, in that case, then there's, I would say, most people that I've met, even the ones I disagree with, 99.999% of humans out there are Tritons. If, if your only options mm-hmm. are Tritons, I'm just going with the, the idea no, like the options are Tritons in Ursula's because we always. We all have moments of darkness. No one's a perfect Ariel all the time. Um, so, but if those are the two options, most people are Tritons. Exactly. Even if they don't even realize it themselves. Yes. But here's the problem. There are still Ursulas out there. Mm-hmm. Those people. You can usually only... find them because they're at the top or scrambling to get to the top. Yes. They're scrambling yeah. to get into that pulpit. They don't they're scrambling care. to get onto that, onto that stage or onto that news channel or, you know. They don't care about you. They don't care about anyone. If their family stepped in their way, then their family would be in trouble. Hmm. Or just cast to the wayside. Yes. Like steamrolled manipulation to a T. Like Mm -hmm. she even did that for her flotsam and jetsam. Think about it. She never had to leave her cave. They were her eyes. Mm -hmm. She had them go do whatever she she wanted. them. But oh my oh, poor little poopsies! About, oh, we could talk about the poor little poopsies and how they gave their life. Yeah, but, they gave their life for Ursula. Yeah, and they just blown to smithereens in the process. Yes, and for what? And we're, but we're right. not going to talk about. We don't know. We don't talk about but some <laughs> some. All right. Well, hey. Thanks for letting us indulge a little bit. We wanted to take a moment. See, this is what we do, by the way, when we're just chatting about things. We love to watch movies. We've talked about this before. 
Uh, we mentioned it, right? Mm-hmm. And we do movie quotes all the time. But you just got to watch what we do. This is what we do when we watch movies, which is why no one ever wants to watch movies with us. Because, it's true. Yes. And if you ever do watch a movie with us, especially with Shane, you know the very first question you're going to ask after the movie's done. What was your favorite part? Oh, you yes. Always ask. I do. You what is your I'm favorite part? I'm not thinking part? ahead of time. Oh. I get to the end and I give you a blank Okay, stare we have like, to talk about this though before we forget. What is your favorite part of the Bottle of the Little Mermaid? Uh, why did I bring that up? I'm sorry. I know it's close to time, but you have to, Michael. Oh. You have to. I have two major ones and one that's just is funny to me. Major one, which you probably will share one of these. I okay. bet one of them. The Triton's Eyes piece. Like when when you see the regret in his eyes, that's a huge thing. And the other one is that line from Sebastian: "Be absolutely miserable. Like you will be oh. absolutely miserable for yep. the rest of your life. Like that. Yep. The funny one though is is <laughs> it's where all the sisters can tell she's in love. <laughs> and, Triton has no idea. What does she got? <laughs> she's like, oh, she's, got, she's a got a bag. She's like, what? What, what does she got? got? <laughs> oh, isn't it obvious, Daddy? Ariel's in love. <laughs> it's so funny. What? Like, what? what does she got? I know. And she, and she's got a flower in his hair that oh. she just put on him. <laughs> what does she got? Total clueless oh father. There. It was so funny. Shane, what's your favorite? Part? Uh you did say one of them, which was with Sebastian when he's like and just be and just be miserable for the rest of your life all right all right I'll help you find another one of my favorites is in the grotto when she's singing part of your world and she reaches out her hand and then after she spells that part out and then she gets really quiet and says and like you can just hear a little bit of that like Mm -hmm. it's getting away like it's trapped yeah I wish I could be like she swallows the she swallows her line which is right in the middle of it but my funniest one, I could say it, it was the whole entire wedding scene when when you you could just watch like yes. you just hear scuttle and you just see her eyes like look up like what? But it's the starfish. Yeah. When she goes <laughs> like you just hear the ah, <laughs> <It was Simon. laughs> yeah. she turns That's- around and there's the <laughs> Comical chaos, man. Uh, that was so there yeah, we go. no, that's funny. All right. uh, well, thanks and for joining in with us today. So remember that Papa loves me just as much as he loves you. And that's a trunk Tra- full. Oh. <laughs> Stop taking my words. I haven't said it in weeks. Because <laughs> I didn't even say it last time. We had to record it separately because the baby. What I want from it. you is your voice. Is that me? Is that, is that my that voice? My, my voice? Is that Hello. my voice? Another great movie. <laughs> Keep growing, my friends. Hey, you said my line again. <laughs> First you take my voice, then you take my line. <laughs>